Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us, and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now, to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Decent People podcast by Decentral Media. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden. This week, we have Jack Sheehan. He's the president of Archstone Entertainment, and he's rapidly growing into the Web3 cryptosphere. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Sure thing. So, so Jack, you know, we full disclosure to anyone listening, we have a, a, a long time friendship. I've never really asked your story, though, of how you got into Hollywood and, and how you navigated your path and what your you know overall long term goals were growing up. Were, were you always interested in, in the traditional Hollywood path and, and how did it all come to be? Yeah, always was passionate about entertainment and movies and TV. Uh, grew up in uh, a smaller a suburban town in Connecticut, and uh, you know, one of my favorite things was always going to the movies or or watching at home. I uh, my first job was at a video rental store, so I kind of, you know, was uh, that typical like uh, you know Clerks or Tarantino type figure uh, where we were mostly selling VHS at the time when DVDs were coming in. So you know, nobody would come to the store, and we had a bunch of old classics and stuff. So I would just you know, blow the dust off the shelves. And, and, and that was like my first film class, watching a lot of the old classic films all the way up through the decades into uh, present day. That was early 2000s. Um, and then I started making some movies on my own, just with friends and family and going out and, you know, writing scripts, committing murders on on tape and uh, entertaining my family and friends with those. And uh, always wanted to kind of pursue that uh, as a career. Uh, so I went to USC, uh, studied business there, but took a lot of film classes. And then started kind of interning at the studios like Sony and Universal, uh, got into the uh, WME mailroom, started there as my first uh, full-time job and uh, really loved kind of the excitement of, of that business. That was kind of on the tail end of the Entourage show, which I grew up in high school watching in friends' basements on Sunday nights and was always pretty uh, starstruck by like not only the entertainment and, and the fun of that, but the business around it and how much deal flow was happening. and you know, the actors and directors and, and musicians you'd see walking through the halls and uh, working at uh, WME was similar to that show because it was the, the agency that it was based off of with the real Ari and everything. So uh, had a lot of fun there, worked for a couple uh, motion picture lit agents and um, kind of cut my teeth and then decided that I uh, I, I was a, an agent trainee after a couple years, but wanted to go out and explore producing and being more on the creative end uh, and actually, you know, putting my name in the credits and having a movie that I kind of helped shape rather than just trying to get jobs for clients. So I left there, worked for um, uh, briefly for a company called QED uh, for Bill Block, who is now running Miramax, and then spent six years at Lotus Entertainment, uh, a uh, film production and sales company, and um, kind of rose through the ranks there and learned a lot about foreign sales and financing and development. And we made movies with Tom Hanks and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Margot Robbie and Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry. 
Um, so pretty good A-list projects. Um, and then I started kind of traveling to Cannes and Toronto and Berlin and all the film festivals and doing some solo trips to meet clients in different countries as well. And that kind of uh, scratched my travel itch. I've always been uh, kind of a wanderlust and love seeing the world and meeting people from different cultures. So doing the foreign sales side of film was uh, super exciting. And um, after uh, the six years there, I was reached out to by Archstone Entertainment, joined them as, as president, been there for almost three years now. And uh, we're producing movies. We just shot one a few months back uh, with uh, Luke Wilson, Dolph Lundgren. It's called The Best Man. It'll come out uh, end of the year uh, with Saban Films. And uh, if you watch it and you don't blink, you might see me in the background. I'm in the, one of the early scenes getting my head blown off and uh, in a later scene as well as a bad hey guy, even though I got a mask on. Yeah. So do, practicing my, <laughs> my acting chops and, uh, you know, SAG hasn't called me back yet, but um, I'm sure I'll be on their record book soon. <laughs> um, so, so having fun making movies, still doing um, a lot of uh, financing through foreign sales. It's a challenging market now with uh, the, the big streamers and public companies and studios kind of taking more of the, the theatrical space and spending more of the money on content. But, um, you know, we just went back to Cannes for the first time since COVID. That was awesome couple months ago um and uh ramping up a lot more more movie projects as well yeah 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 uh and and it sounds like then that that you always had a clear directive as to film and tv being in in entertainment that was was the goal how then and it sounded like too that uh there was a gradual progression from making films making projects then you ventured into scratch the travel itch as you said and and got into foreign sales was it just the next evolution then of your career to kind of start dipping a toe into web3 crypto and that arena and and the storytelling behind it how did how did that come about yeah i'm fascinated by the space i've been um i've been you know investing and trading crypto for years um but the kind of evolution of that into nfts and into more like media-based uh, blockchain tech uh is super exciting and i think it's uh fascinating where entertainment plays in that world um so you know when i was in Cannes, for instance they had a couple days of like uh web3 events with panels and speakers and um a lot of uh companies doing pretty uh, revolutionary stuff in the space, um, trying to take the old model and either raise money through NFT drops to finance their films, doing DAOs where members can vote on the creative direction that a project takes and who's involved with it. Um, potentially like, like the Deadheads project, even having your own NFTs be characters in the show in next episodes, putting them in the casting room mm -hmm. and things like that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, and then some of the bigger uh, companies, obviously, you know, building out their own marketplaces and doing branded NFT drops for, you know, the uh, James Bond franchise or the uh, Batman and, and Superman, you know, characters and things like that. So I think from like big company, public company on down to the small indies, there's there's place, there's space to play in this new playground. Um, but that being said, uh, and there's a lot of curiosity of it, there's also a lot of hesitance and um, not a clear path towards like, this is how you really monetize. We don't know which direction to go. I found that uh, in my conversations as of late with companies from the entertainment space trying to get into Web3 that um, it is still the Wild West and, and like crossing that bridge from Web2 to Web3 is not 
the easiest path. It's not always user friendly. A lot of the apps and um, you know the wallets that are used and the exchanges that uh, crypto is traded on are very clunky and, and not user friendly. Um, and there's a lot of uh, you know lack of security in the space too. You see scams and phishing uh, and uh, you know thievery happening a lot. Not to mention the you know massive swings that the market takes. And, and obviously we're in a bit of a beginning of a bear market right now. So those are the challenges of it. But I think it's it's really exciting where companies are starting to look. Now you know put push this out. Say year year to five years from now is is the curiosity do you think going to shift the model of how films are made and how television shows are made and how content's made or is it something that's just going to be a companion piece to how different content is made while the traditional model still stays intact i think the traditional model will remain king for a long time um as much as you know as much turbulence as as we've seen in our you know 10 to 15 years of our careers in in entertainment um which has been pretty drastic when you consider you know the streamers coming in and replacing a lot of the old tv business and uh, kind of squeezing the indie film space in a large way that probably being the biggest revolution that's happened um and then you have you know a kind of smaller you know shakeups with uh, the guilds battling the agencies for uh certain rights and trying to like slow down their role as a lot of them start to merge and build and go public um so a lot of those shifts are happening but i think the bigger context of what Web3 means for not just entertainment companies, but all industries is how record keeping, uh, contracts, ownership, uh, rights management, all that stuff is laid on this kind of new platform of the internet. Um, I think it is to a large degree, the next version of, uh, you know, the Web2 internet that we've been used to for 20 years now, where um, it's not gonna affect how films are fine are, are fundraised and um, developed as much i think that still at the end of the day comes back to creative people sitting down coming up with ideas and pitching you know the powers that be that do have financing behind them to uh put those movies out i do hope that you know since i'm more on the indie space than the, stu the studio side that um there is a uh um, a ripe future for come for uh, independent filmmakers that can raise money through NFT drops and things like that. Right now, we haven't seen a lot doing it. Um, there's some cool projects out there, like I mentioned, you know, the Deadheads or Barry Sonnenfeld just announced he's doing NFTs uh, through Orange Comet. They're developing for his new um, Aliens versus uh, Dinosaurs project to kind of create a world around, um, you know, his next movie um there's uh you know spike lee is doing nft drops of the original um still images from she's gotta have it which is a film that he owns the rights to one of his originals to launch out a uh, short film festival so there's a lot of really interesting test cases and projects out there but to like revolutionize the entire way that movies and tv are financed and uh created i think it'll be more of a sideline piece i think the bigger implication is how yeah, the contracting and kind of the legal side is laid out with smart contracts on the blockchain and being able to track, you know, uh, Hollywood reporting a little bit more transparently and make sure that people get get paid for their work instead of having just, you know, Excel documents and old paper handwritten signed contracts that get lost and trying to chase chain, chain a title and things like that. Those are the, the messy areas of Hollywood that I think could be really cleaned up with with uh, blockchain. It would seem to me that that knowing the traditional model on the creative side too, that 
creatives would probably be as as amazing as DAOs seem to be, there'd be a little hesitancy if I'm a creator to entrust a bunch of people that I don't know what their creative sensibilities are or if we're aligned to have a stake in my project and then have some sort of creative control or you know totally. it, it would, you would think there there should like how how, how how do you see that piece working out yeah i think the, the dow type projects are one of the most interesting to me i think if and, and there's a lot out a lot of indies doing it out there and nobody's actually made the film yet like you know kevin smith announced a project that has a, a version of that there's a lot of others but um i'd like to see one come to fruition and go all the way through and and play that experiment out see that see that test case works because you're right it could be a complete mess it could be a, a you know uh, a bunch of random voices from around the world that have you know no understanding of how storytelling or like the business of creating a piece of content really works just throwing you know craziness in the bag and you know i'm sure from watching you know tw the twitter channels and discord channels how how nonsensical they often are you can get you know five percent of the conversation is like in interesting and, and usually it's just the original post and the rest is like memes and gifts and you know trolling and shit talking and so uh so you know you i feel like in a way you kind of have to police that a little bit make sure that the conversation stays productive but yeah if you could if you could organize a dow with let's say you know a thousand nfts that gets dropped whether it's just like you know a, a boring ticket looking or you know a, you know a, a picture of a bag of popcorn or if it's something more interesting like a, a character that could play into the show or something like that like deadheads is doing um and then each owner of that let's say they each buy one for a hundred dollars and there's a thousand members um so you know you got a little hundred thousand dollars worth of operational funds there but having each person have a vote and decide which you know direction the script takes what characters they like maybe what music's added um how long each episode should be all that stuff I'd love to see that happen. And I think a few companies are starting to try that out and, and see how it would work. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the first few examples that can actually pull it off. I think the examples that realize that like the former is happening, uh, it's just like a zoo and everyone's just yelling at each other and there's no organization, like they'll bail on those projects. You won't hear any more right. press about it. You'll see press on the ones that actually get to the finish line. And it probably won't be, you know, an Oscar winner or an Emmy winner. It won't be like, uh, you know, a mind-blowingly genius piece of artwork, but it'll be an accomplishment of like community and conversation and teamwork and um, throwing just a ton of ingredients into the pot and seeing what kind of soup comes out. So um, I'm excited to see one actually get to the finish line there. And I think it may be a year out or a year and a half before we see that. And, and you know, the, the cold NFT market right now is not speeding anything up. It's slowing a lot of things down. But uh it, it it could be a very fun way you know if you're just you know if you're not working in the entertainment business and you live in wherever and, and just want to be involved then you could pay a hundred bucks to have a voice in you know the next you know youtube red tv show or paramount plus or whatever you know whatever stream or platform you watch it on it's a pretty exciting idea that's never existed before it's like kind of what royal is doing with like music investment where you can buy the rights to an album or a song from your favorite artist ahead of time and collect royalties off that. That's never been accessible to just the common fan before who's outside the, the system. Totally. And and what I think is really cool about the way you're you're describing the potential positive of, of a DAO is so it sounds like there would be 
some directive from the creative or the production company or whoever's involved in terms of creating the the story and then providing options to the fans or the folks that would want to get involved and it's less about having the free-for-all as you're saying of ideas and more targeted hey here's our option you know we have these three directions of where a script could go what do you guys want to see which sounds really neat i agree yeah i think you do you do need kind of like the you know the adults in the room so to speak you need the kind of creatives whether it is kevin smith or like um you know rob mcgillany from it's always sunny he has his own version where he's doing like a writer's room and doing a dow based um nft uh development company um so yeah you want someone directing traffic so it's not just like a bunch of votes in the thing but you do want to keep it a bit democratic as well where like each vote or each nft owner gets a say but then you know do you write the laws where if someone owns 10 and buys 10 nfts because they want to spend more money and someone else says one is that 10 votes to one should they each get more of an equal say because then someone's basically buying in more of like a bigger microphone in the room and more of an influence over where that project goes so so that you have to be you know delicate with how you handle it and uh, there's a, a lot of ways to skin that cat but yeah i think having like an established creator kind of sitting at the head of the you know virtual writers room and and directing traffic and making sure people stay um on point is is really important especially at this early stage while we're just kind of experimenting with the space and do you think on the on the financing side of say DAOs that we're going to see an emergence of say groups of folks coming together forming DAOs to support particular visions or particular genres of projects that they want to back and then having say you know, hey guys, we have these five options that we want to potentially fund, and it's everybody kind of pulling their resources together to support uh, either genres or, or artists or voices that might not have been able to find their way in the traditional system. Or to your point, is that uh, going to be more of a companion to the independent space as it is? Yeah, I think I think that could definitely happen. Where you have, uh, you know voters and participants coming in early on to even decide what genre you're going to do whether it's going to be a short form digital series a longer form series a feature film a documentary whatever um to come in early stage and do that i think is is really a cool idea um you know the other examples like the the, the rob mcgillany who i believe they're focusing on more of a, a comedy show format or the spike lee who's you know choosing to put a lot of those funds into a short form or a short film festival um, for for kind of up and coming voices. Um, those have that kind of like business plan already, that like creative direction of like here's what we want to make out of this. Here's the you know we this is the final you know loaf of bread that we want this recipe to to get to, and what you know ingredients are in that, and what shape it takes, and and what it tastes like will kind of determine those steps along the way but yeah to come in early and have uh more of like a blank slate choice of like which which genre do we even want to focus on first uh before we even dive into characters or story or any of that i think is is super interesting and and uh i'd like to see that happen too but we may need to see some of those more like targeted directed projects work first before we can start kind of taking steps even further backwards in the development process and and just like you know literally throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing 
what sticks. Um, yeah. So that would be good. I, and, and it may have to come from, I'd love to see it come from an independent startup company, but it may have to come from one of the, the big players. Like I think, uh, you know, Netflix, for example, who's, who's having, you know, a rough quarter and having layoffs and probably pulling back from anything experimental and focusing more just on their bottom line and building viewership and, and, you know, managing their budget of, and their slate of what they're already producing. Um, but that all being said, I think they're usually pretty, uh, experimental compared to the other kind of old guard 20th century companies, um, like the way that they did the, the Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror, where you could, you know, direct the character into dif a different, uh, sprawling set of events and circumstances, kind of choose your own adventure. That was pretty groundbreaking. Recently, they did the, uh, latest episode of Love, Death and Robots. They had NFTs in the episode that you could, uh, you know, take a, a screenshot of the QR code with your phone and either, um, you know, mint it as an NFT, which I did. I played with that. It was kind of fun. Um, or, you know, save it as a, as a, just a picture as a JPEG. Um, the, those, those are very simple, you know, applications. It's, there's nothing like that complicated about what they're doing, but at least they're doing stuff. They're taking some steps into that world. So I think a company like Netflix, uh, you know, or, and I think Amazon is, is focused on kind of absorbing MGM at this stage and maybe not experimenting too much, but they might be another kind of, you know, tech-based entertainment company that would take that experiment on to say, all right, you know, doing an NFT drop either on our native marketplace on, you know, netflix.com slash marketplace or whatever they build or OpenSea or Nifty Gateway, one of the others. And if you buy in, then you can have uh, not just an NFT for the project, but a vote into like the creative direction of it. So I haven't seen any announcements like that yet. I wouldn't be surprised if they come in the next, you know, six to 12 months. I think a lot of it is market depending. We do kind of have to see a rebound, I think, before a lot of these um, NFT projects collect some more heat. Um, but uh, I think that's that's an exciting direction that some of these companies should should look at. So you're saying that the Netflixes of the world or say Disney plus companies of, you know, we're, we're referencing streamers right now, but that eventually those companies perhaps might have their own marketplaces where they're going to do their own drops and, and help fund and provide creative incentives for their own projects. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is my expectation. Um, I, I was working with a company recently uh, that's uh, that's fully blockchain web three. Um, it's uh, a company that has a lot of uh, banking and, and, and payment rails and things like that to build out marketplaces and um, like white label API solutions to build branded wallets, um, you know, buy sell widgets to build your own marketplace, um, NFT minting. So kind of like an all in one solution for companies that want to launch their NFT project. Um, so if you're a big company like a Disney um, or, you know, Warner's or somebody who already has just and an insane amount of IP and a huge fan base and, and franchise potential. Like you've already done the hard work of like building a fan base. That's, that's the most challenging part of any artists or any like artistic entertainment companies. Um, job is to, is to create content that actually has like a continuing fan base. So to take that and add another revenue stream of like launching NFTs and having your own marketplace that maybe interacts with open so that you're getting access and you're getting flow of those customers and traders into your platform. Um, and also giving them kind of the flexibility to play in multiple platforms or just directing all traffic and all fans 
into your ecosystem, that's a huge revenue builder. And I think um, like Disney, Disney is, uh, you know, a great example of that because they, you know, are, are, are and have been the king of the kids and family entertainment market for, you know, going on a hundred years. And so with Disney plus, it's like they, they quickly became a, uh, a dominant streamer um, because they have that fan base, like on lock, like if you, if you have kids or you're a family, plus they have a lot of great, um, you know, older adult content as well. Um, then you're going to subscribe to that no matter what. And so to, to drive people into their marketplace and buy within that world, I think makes a lot more sense than just like doing drops on open sea where they're, you know, paying fees to somebody else. Is the barrier to entry limited to the folks who are already sort of playing around on OpenSea, just the, you know, the average person who maybe, maybe entertainment in entertainment, maybe not is, you know, may not be in entertainment and yeah. like, how do you think that needs to be a little more popularized? Uh, the, the whole concept of NS, NFTs and, and DAOs and how to get involved in order for a lot of this stuff to take off? hundred percent. Yeah, I do. I think, uh, the biggest challenge with, uh, the web three space is, is, you know, getting the web two world comfortable evolving into that. And, uh, and it really is an evolution. It's not a, you know, abandon ship and swim through the Arctic channels to get to something new, which is scary. It's, it, it should be a smooth transition, but like building that bridge and, and that, um, you know, uh, watercraft, so to speak, to get from one island to the next is is the job of a lot of these companies in Web three. So, like the companies that I've you know worked worked with uh, in that space, that's really the challenge. Is like you know going and buying crypto on Coinbase or FTX and opening a MetaMask wallet or a Dapper wallet or you know a lot of these things. They're they're just not that user friendly at this stage. They 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 can be very clunky. They can be very um, hard to understand and so uh for the mass market the 99 percent of people out there who you know most of them do watch entertainment they watch tv or films or um you know participate and listen to music participate in that kind of entertainment ecosystem to get into the web3 space like there's going to be a lot of um uh more user ease more flexibility with like being able to just go on and kind of, you know, do very minimal um, KYC type uh, checks, maybe just add your, your name and a password or a phone number and not have to go through a whole process in order to like be a player in that space and also allow credit card and, and fiat and, you know, wire and, and other types of payments happen, not just by cryptocurrencies. That's a whole nother, you know, chapter that you have to then learn and, and another barrier to entry. So like, the brands are there, the product and, and the uh, content that people love are there because it's like been established, whether you are a Disney or a Netflix or an independent company. Um, but accessing your fans and building out an additional piece of business and revenue stream for yourself while letting your fan base like have a lot more fun owning digital characters of their favorite movie or even potentially movie clips or uh, pieces of songs and things like that. like it does have to be a lot more user-friendly and uh, and also safer too, because like I said, you see so much scamming and, and thievery happening. I've, I've been a victim of that. I've had crypto stolen because of, you know, uh, you know, going on discord and, and getting fished and scammed and things like that. So, uh, and I think most people who do kind of play in that space 
have had had those those war wounds you just try to make sure they're they're minimal and uh, you learn as much as you can and, and play it safely afterwards but there is so much of that because it is the wild west and there's no you know sheriff in town yet that uh which is part of like the philosophy of being decentralized and, and being you know wild and free in that world so you kind of have to balance that but there has to be more safety as well as user ease to to bring on the mass market into the world in in terms of archstone entertainment and its potential foray into the web3 crypto space what can we expect from you guys in the coming months years etc um we're still exploring it we don't have uh you know a big announcement yet uh, we have one project that's kind of incubating um that uh, one of my partners brought on. Um, it's called uh, the Gay Alien Society. And it's this artist who created a bunch of, of kind of like colorful flamboyant gay alien cartoons. And they've actually been selling pretty well. They did a drop on OpenSea a few few weeks back and are selling for, uh, you know, some of them uh, an ETH or more. So, you know, a thousand bucks and more, a lot of them kind of upper, upper hundreds, um, which, you know, isn't a ton, but you add all, you know, you do a, a 10,000, uh, unit drop and then that really adds up to something and that's kind of on the higher end of a lot of these uh, NFT projects that you see on OpenSea and that would be tied in with a series uh, or a film and, and us developing that um, as a feature so we, we haven't gotten to that stage yet it's still very early very development but they did a an announcement in Forbes magazine about our attachment to it um, so it's it's public and it's out there uh, but we're still trying to figure out exactly what creative direction to take it um, so that's a fun one. Um, I've been personally dabbling a bit into kind of NFTs. I, I, I bought a board ape. I, uh, bought another friend's, uh, project that was, uh, developing, um, uh, kind of cartoon characters that also are, are video game characters that you can like build up and have them battle and fight each other. Um, and, uh, that's kind of, so there's like a game of gamification element of that. Um, and so, so I'm, you know, largely in exploration phase too. And, and part of like, you know, doing the, the board ape thing was not purely as an investment, which I hope it will be, and it won't just crash to zero, but <laughs> learning from, you know, a premier NFT business plan, because Yuga Labs who owns it is, I think, you know, bar none, the best in the game at putting on, you know, smart live events and doing additional drops with. You know the serums and the mutant apes and and the kennel club and um uh, building out kind of a roadmap into the metaverse and creating their own game and and just building a brand that actually is pretty uh pretty you know premier as far as like pfp projects go and ultimately it's a bet on the future of nfts if nfts are a bubble and disappear then you know you have a picture and if uh, it, it is really kind of an underlaying element of the future of the internet that all companies and organizations play within then it's like owning you know a picasso what a what a cool visual and i think that uh <laughs> is a very concise concise way of describing what what a lot of people would would agree with is sort of the duality of the the future and, and the outlook there and and as you mentioned earlier sort of the hesitation for a lot of people to become involved and, and take the leap and and buy in so uh really cool stuff yeah, and I'd like to do more uh, on, on the Archstone side in terms of NFT drops and launching new projects and then being um, a little bit more bullish on the space. I think it, it, it may depend on just the market turning around and, and uh, 
you know, because there was just more projects were being launched last year than there are right now because of uh, where kind of the whole economy of scale is. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we, we're, we're producers and sales agents. So we, we come from and are working in the traditional model of, of financing and developing stories and entertaining uh, our fans with those, but, uh, but exploring kind of new spaces to both raise money and be creative and build out, um, the characters through, through NFTs and web free for our fans is, uh, definitely something we're passionate about, we're exploring, um, and, uh, We'll hopefully be making a few more announcements on soon. Well, Jack, this has been a great conversation. Another episode of the Decent People podcast by Decentral Media. Jack Sheehan, Arch Center Entertainment. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. Had a lot of fun. It was great. That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at decentral.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L dot I-O. And on Twitter, at Decential. Have a great day.